0: Cars toppled, buildings entire, and tires just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the fences inform me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is Now.
1: exciting episode of the fire and water podcast a proud member of the fire and water podcast network i'm one of your hosts the irredeemable shag along with me as always is my co-host the jolly old rob kelly how you doing buddy <laughs> i'm full of christmas spirit i mean no, not <laughs> no, not
2: really but i'm just saying that for the purposes of this show
1: oh great perfect okay. <laughs> <laughs> Rob has decided to go in full disclosure for the for the ending of the year here.
2: <laughs> I figure it's our probably I think this is our last show that we're gonna do together for the year. I think so. We, I owe you honesty forever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <No>, um, <laughs> contract folks, on a That's right. I, I haven't signed next year's contract yet. So, folks, we you know we, honestly we owe you a episode review or issue review episode. But Rob and I talked about it, and he had the great idea of saying let's just do something fun. Let's do something like Christmas. Comics to wrap up the year, which I thought was an awesome idea. So uh, we're going to do that, but before we do that, Rob, what are you excited about with the holiday season coming up? Oh
2: boy, you're f- I didn't expect that question. Um,
1: I'm boy. full of surprises.
2: Yeah, uh, well, I mean, when we're recording this, Rogue One is a week away, I'm very excited <clears> about <throat> that, and uh, actually both the two movies I'm looking forward to the most this year come out on the same weekend, which is oh. sort of amazing. So I'm um, looking forward to that. I'm well, what's the other that. movie? La, La Land the musical oh okay really really looking forward to that so um, yeah i mean basically uh, i think most people would agree 2016 has been a giant crap storm (laughs) and i'm i i you know i'm looking forward to to being over
1: (laughs) i really am looking forward to seeing the backside of this year i completely agree (laughs) oh my gosh
2: Although Uh, we should say, though we forgot about this. This was the year we launched the network, so that was good. That was like we
1: said, it's been a complete crap storm this year. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean there, you know, like any year, there have been high points and low points, and some of the high points have been amazingly high, and some of the low points have been astonishingly low. Uh, One of the high points certainly was the launch of the network. Now, this is not a New Year's. Episode where we're talking about the year in review, so forgive us as we do wax a bit, but yeah launching the network has been uh, probably the best online experience uh, or or any online endeavor I've ever been part of. It's so much fun. I love all the guys and gals on the network. I love all you folks, even Ryan a little bit, and um, it's it's so fulfilling to me. I, every morning I get up and I can't wait to read the comments or I can't wait to see what's in the private message thread where we're making fun of David Ace Gutierrez. Um, any of thats it's just a blast for me.
2: That is a lot of fun, making fun of David Ace.
1: Well, it's easy. I mean, it's like fishing a barrel, you know, yeah. um, when the barrel's really small and you got like a really big gun. But but before we go any – oh. I'm excited about For the Holidays. Thanks for asking. Um, I'm going gonna...
2: <laughs> to you would just talk. I mean, you needed me to ask you.
1: Well, it's just polite. Anyway, uh, I've, I'm traveling with my daughter. We're going to go take a week-long road trip and go see family all over the state. So I think that's going to be awesome. We're going to have a great time. And uh, I, I, as far as, like, our nerd things, I've gotten in this weird mode, like, you know, you love a certain period of comic book history for you. It's like I don't know, 1974 or something. Um, I love the 80s, obviously, 1987 and Justice League and all that. But I also have a real passion for the 90s, and I recently did appeared on Stella's show, um, Back Around Oracle, and we covered Final Night, and it rekindled something in me, man. Like I love the 90s, like, and I remember loving the 90s, and I'm really excited about it, and I've been buying like action figures and stuff, like. Uh, I I just bought a Tim Drake Robin action figure because it's like the only Tim Drake action figure I've ever found that actually looks like the Tim Drake Robin from the 90s. And just today, I ordered an Aquaman action figure because I need more of those. I think you have it because I saw it listed on your website. But it's it's from that JLA set back in like two thousand five and it's Aquaman with the hook and uh but it's a really, really nice sculpt, the DC direct sculpt of Aquaman with a hook. And then I, I got my Kyle Rayner. I'm I'm getting ready to order a Wally Flash from the nineties and I'm like, I I don't know, I wanna revel in the nineties right now. I'm excited. <laughs> It's all cyclical, I guess. I don't know. But before we, uh, before we go any further and start with our holiday cheer folks, we need to take a second to thank our sponsor. This episode of the Fire & Water podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. What'd you bring, Rob?
2: Unfortunately, the story that I'm going to get to later on in this episode is not available on In Stock Trades. I guess the book that it was reprinted in uh, was is, is out of print. I don't know why I'm acting like this is dramatic. because You can read it in the show notes. It's Batman and the Outsiders number nineteen, and the Batman and the Outsiders Showcase Edition is not available anymore. Maybe it's out of print. I don't know.
1: So you know where you, you, know where you can find it? Where can right I find here it? right here in my lap. Wow. Okay. That's, that came out a lot dirtier than
2: I did. Yeah, give the lady a dollar and show her a care or whatever. But uh, (laughs) since since, since that story does have a kind of romance tinge to it, I thought I would recommend Young Love Showcase, Volume 1, which collects Young Love numbers 39 through 56, featuring artwork by John Romita, Mike Sikowski, Don Heck, Gene Colin. J. Scott Pike and others. It's got a great cover of a woman being jealous of another woman kissing her man. It's really fun. I mean, who doesn't love all those kind of old timey romance comics? The normal price, nineteen ninety nine. In stock trades price, ten dollars and ninety nine cents. That's forty five percent off. Five hundred and forty four pages of chaste romance stories. You can't beat (laughs) it. So, Young Love Showcase Volume
1: One. And I really like how you. Uh, tied that in with the Lonely Hearts Romance Comics podcast and pimped it at the same time. That was really is that, thoughtful that, of you. Is that
2: still a show? Do we still do It's a, it's a
1: thing. It's a thing. It's a going concern. Um, now, did you say that is a showcase or an essential? It's a showcase. So it's black and white. That's why it's
2: the big phone book.
1: No, that's fine. Marvel, well, the reason I ask is DCs are showcases. Uh, Marvels are essentials. Um, the reason I ask is you said John Romita. Or Romita. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't hear him associated with DC Comics very often.
2: Well, he worked for DC in the fifties, so that's one of the examples.
1: Well, that's just interesting because I like I I don't know that I've ever read a John Romita comic with a DC logo on the front. Okay. Did he ever do like Superman or? Major? No,
2: no, no, no. He worked for Mar- he worked for DC before in the fifties, and then he went over to Marvel when they became Mar when Timely or whatever became Marvel.
1: Well, that's so, why okay. I asked about Superman because they were yeah. publishing Superman in the fifties.
2: Right. No, as far as no, as far as I know, he only did romance stuff.
1: Wow. What a missed opportunity, man. Could you imagine, like, a different world where he had worked on Superman, Batman, Batman, and Wonder Woman? What if he had been, you know, the Silver Age artist for DC instead? Wow. Crazy. That could have been really different. Um, Okay. For me, I uh, picked one a little more in theme because, you know, we have a theme and I'm trying to keep with it. Thanks for playing, Rob. Anyway, uh, I picked... DC Universe Christmas Trade Paperback. I didn't even know this thing existed, actually, and I think I'm gonna have to order it because I'm really excited about it after reading it. So again, DC Universe Christmas Trade Paperback. It's uh, 154 pages. Collects 17 different DC Christmas stories. Now check this out. I, I, it's not really listed in the entry, so I had to go search in like the Amazon reviews to try and figure out all what's in here. And here's some of them. They've got a 1940s Superman story. They've got a, a groovy Teen Titans story from the 60s. Uh, all again Christmas themed. They've got an Impulse story. From one of those uh, DC holiday bashes. Remember those, you know, collected Christmas things they do every year. Uh, one, there's a Wonder Woman story. There's a Batlash story. There's a Paul Dini sort of animated style story with Poison Ivy and Harlequin. There's a dark side story drawn by Ty Templeton. Uh, Frank Miller and Denny O'Neill's, you know, the, the wanted Santa Claus that are alive. You got John, John Byrne's Superman story, The Gift. That's the wordless one. You've got a Captain Marvel 1947 story. You've got a 1971 House of Mystery story. A 1943 Sandman story. Do you, you hear me, Ryan? A Sandman story from 1943. A, a John Byrne Enemy Ace story. Uh, a Wally West story, uh, and then a Green Lantern, Green Arrow story from Paul Levitz in 1998, and, and other stuff. So, I mean, wow, what a cool collection of awesome stuff. So, um, right now, you can get it for only $9.97. Sorry, I, did, I forgot to mention, I, I got it all backwards. I was supposed to tell you the other price first. It's normally $19.95, 40, uh, 50% off right now, $9.97, 154 pages of what sounds like really incredible DC Christmas stuff. So, you should definitely pick this up and treat yourself for the holidays. And folks, you can find both of these books over on InStockTrades.com. Please go up to the contact us button and let them know that you heard about them on the Fire and Water podcast. So, woohoo, awesome! Well, uh, Rob mentioned his; he's doing Batman and the Outsiders, and number nineteen after the break. I am going to do a what? It's funny, you know. I started thinking about like the timing of what book I wanted to cover and everything, and and usually my wheelhouse is like the '80s. Although earlier I talked to you about my, the '90s and whatever, but I. I, I I don't think about the 2000s as my era too often, but that's what I picked. I picked a comic from from 2002, and it is JLA number 60. Now, this is not Justice League of America. This is JLA number 60. It's the Mark Wade era, and it, the, the cover title is Twas the Fight Before Christmas. But the uh, – <laughs> what is the issue itself actually called? Let's see. It's called uh, there go. Merry Christmas, Justice League, Now Die. That's it. There we go. Perfect. Thank you. And it's written by Mark Wade. Uh, Pencils by Cliff Rathburn, who we're going to talk about when we're done here. Uh, Inks by Paul Neary, colors by David Barron, letters by Ken Lopez. It is, this comic is just an absolute hoot. Just, I'm going to tell you the whole uh, recap and everything, folks. But just know going in, this whole story is sort of a farce. And it is Plastic Man telling a story about Santa Claus. And it's all given Plastic Man's skew. So I can't quite do justice of how funny this is. But if you love Plastic Man and you don't own this, you've got to get it. So all right. The cover features uh, Neuron or Neron, uh, the, the bad guy from Underworld Unleashed, the, the devil character basically, he has got Santa Claus pinned to the ground and like holding him there while the Justice League's in the back and they're all rushing in to try and help him, specifically Plastic Man in the front, which is again 'twas the fight before Christmas. Now, uh, when the story opens, it is Christmas Eve and Plastic Man and his pal Woozy Winks are spending it with Woozy's sister, Wanda, and Woozy's nephew, Weezer. I love the theme. Anyway, uh, Weezer's about probably 9 or 10 years old, and he has sadly decided he no longer believes in Santa Claus. Well, Plastic Man has been charged with tucking in Weezer, getting him to go to bed so that they can get ready for Christmas, and so he decides to tell him a bedtime story, and Plastic Man tries to convince the young lad that Santa is real after all, and he makes up a story about Santa actually being a member of the JLA. Yes, Plaz tells the kid that Santa Claus was just inducted into the Justice League of America last night, and you get the you get this awesome spot. Flash page featuring you know the very old timey JLA hereby Alex Santa Claus to membership for life just like the old days oh it's hysterical now the kid doesn't really care at all because he's much more interested in Batman because as he puts it Batman is cool and Plastic Man says yes we all like Batman so I gotta say it's really weird seeing Santa Claus like side by side with Aquaman with a hook and Kyle Rayner it's just so Bizarre. Anyway, according to Plastic Man, it turns out that Santa had discovered that there were far more naughty children in the world this year than there had ever been. And while he was investigating this problem, Santa discovers he has an evil counterpart in the demon Neuron who is rewarding children with gifts when they do bad things. So, um... Santa makes this great comment about it He goes, goes, I haven't seen Neuron since my good pal Plastic Man put him down, single-handedly It's funny Plastic Man bits, it's great So Santa goes to confront Neuron And he has to go to the entrance of Hell, which is of course Where's the entrance of Hell, Rob?
2: Where is the entrance of Hell?
1: Yeah, it's all on the page Oh It's in New Jersey. Yes, Yep, course. that's exactly where it is. <laughs> I think I see Rob's house in the background. But anyway, Santa goes to the entrance to hell and goes down there and uh, he goes to do battle with Neuron. But he is captured. Now, this is where the JLA become involved. The team's sitting around the, ta- uh, the watchtower table and they're discussing potential new members and Martian Manhunter nominates Santa Claus for membership. There's a big discussion for about 30 minutes and by the end, the team decides to induct Santa into the league. And at that moment, Neuron taunts the JLA by sending this maniacal little gingerbread man who's really funny to the watchtower and uh he's basically there he gives them this huge info dump sharing everything i just described about santa and neuron and the jla decide they're going to rescue santa Plastic Man quickly eats the gingerbread cookie. Uh, They go to hell, but they're confronted by Neuron and his demon pals. During the battle, they find Santa. He is imprisoned in this giant action figure package. (laughs) The plastic is so strong, they cannot free Santa uh, before the team is turned into coal by Neuron and put into a stocking. However, the JLA did manage to weaken Santa's cell, and Santa himself breaks out using his heat vision. Yeah, that's right. Santa has freaking heat vision, and it's awesome. Santa proceeds to beat the snot out of tons of demons before their sheer numbers overwhelm him. And in the end, Santa uh, ends up giving Neuron a Christmas present. And since Neuron's whole shtick is bargaining and trading, he can't handle receiving a completely selfless gift with no bargain to trade with. So Neuron explodes into a burst of light. He can't take it. So Santa is uh, is freed. He frees the JLA. He returns them to the Watchtower and they all celebrate Santa's membership in the League. Plastic Man sort of wraps up his story there. Little Weezer, however, still isn't convinced that Santa's real. And they look out the window and they see Santa actually flies by their window, just like a superhero, through the air. And then he uses his heat vision to burn the words Merry Christmas into the snow. And Plastic Man and Weezer are just stunned at this sight. And this this great this part's great. Little Weezer immediately jumps in bed and very frantically says, "No talking, must sleep. Presents coming, night." <laughs> and then it turns out that Santa was actually the shapeshifter Martian Manhunter, because Jean and Kyle Rayner, uh, the Green Lantern, had overheard Plastic Man's entire story because Plastic Man accidentally activated his JLA communicator and broadcast the entire tale. I love this thing; it is hilarious. What did you think of it, Rob?
2: Well, you left out the big detail that we find out that, and in fact, was not oh, Martian Manhunter.
1: It's, well, it was Martian Manor who flew by, right, you're right. right, but the right. last panel is Santa, you're right, Santa himself is there with a reindeer watching them, and so the real Santa is there and he goes, pfft, heat vision. <laughs> um, the exact quote is, sorry, the last, but he which goes, is heat he goes, vision,
2: the imagination of some people.
1: Which is great, absolutely wonderful, I did forget about that, thank you. So, now I'm interested to hear your opinion because I know, you know, like I mentioned my era is kind of the 80s, but you know, I did, I I've been reading comics forever. Your era certainly wasn't the two thousands of comics. I know that. So, what do you feel about this story? Think about the story.
2: Oh, I liked it a lot. Uh, I gave. While I definitely faded out on the JLA, you know, a, a while into the JLI thing, uh, I I, gave, I went back to the book when they when it got rechristened JLA, because mm. it was the classic characters. You know, it was the big seven. And I was, and I kept reading. So I was, I was a regular reader of this series all the way oh. through Wade's Run because I liked Mark Wade as a writer, and I liked this story. I bought this comic, well, not off the stands because stands don't exist at that time or don't exist anymore. <laughs> but I, I bought it new at the time, and I really liked it because I've, and I've said before, I really liked Plastic Man as a member of the JLA. I always thought it was appropriate. So this story has a real whimsy to it that I almost don't expect in the sort of still grim and gritty. Superhero thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I like you mentioned the whole the splash page, which is makes the uh, membership thing looks like it's Santa it Claus has become <laughs> a member. Like I mean, because it's like he's granted he's he's granted uh, membership for life and all the you know bells and whistles that come with that. Uh, no, it's it's really a, a whole lot of fun. It's really cute. And I said I, I like Plastic Man being a babysitter and him telling the story. That's a good bit. There's a lot of good jokes in it. I mean, the artwork's pretty good. I maybe it's a little too gritty for this type of story exactly, but that's a very minor nitpick, really. I I really no, I thought this was charming at the time and I'm glad that you picked it when you mentioned it to me that you were gonna do it, because I think it's a really I think it's really cute and I love it's a one off.
1: Yep. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't have picked this on my own what happened was when we were talking about doing Christmas comics I said you know what I I always go back to the same ones and they all come out of like those DC holiday bash specials those are kind of my favorites I always go back to every year so I said you know I'm going to google like the best comic book Christmas stories and I was going through you know these lists tons and tons of them and when I came across this one I'm like I kind of remember that comic it's been a long time since I've read it And I kind of remember enjoying it, so I I busted it out and I read it and it just laughed my head off. And I'm like, this is totally it. Because it's funny, like I read JLA too, obviously. Um, And in the 2000s, I I I guess it was still my era, but I've never really caught into having Plastic Man in the JLA. It's gotten under my skin. It always has. To me, it's elongated man. He should be in the JLA, not Plastic Man. And I realize that's heresy to you, but whatever. Uh,
2: I well, hey man, I grew up with elongated man, but to me, Plastic Man is still one of the preeminent DC characters, and so he belongs in the jail.
1: To me, he's you know uh, the Saturday morning cartoon guy, but uh, oh sorry, that's my that's where I get Plastic Man. I'm not a, the world's biggest Plastic Man fan. I don't hate him. I don't hate on him. I just like oh. He's here.
2: Max but, Romero, we apologize. The man hey, does not know what he's
1: talking about. I think Max has heard my opinions before. I think I put them out there on the show. I love Max. I adore him. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's where I come from, bro. So, uh, in fact, I'm listening to you and him on Fire and Water right now, by the way. Talk about Albert Brooks.
2: Oh, that's oh, great. yeah,
1: yeah. Yep. Uh, well, not right now, but, I mean, you <laughs> know, when I'm not doing this. So, Anyway, where I'm going with this was is that I, I – I always kind of had a hard time with Plastic Man being in the JLA. It didn't work for me all that well. But this is like the absolute most brilliant way to use him. It's perfect. It is, it is lovely from the beginning to end. The, the story you use, the word charming is exactly the right word. It's endearing. Um, now, I like the artwork. Um, oh, by the way, I should mention there are some really hilarious bits in here too, by the way. Like Plastic man's telling the story and then like Woozy's nephew just starts tearing it apart. Like, asking questions, like, well, wait a minute. You know, obviously he questions, Santa Claus having heat vision, and he questions, he's like, well, wait a minute, how did Martian Manhunter go to hell if, if while the fire? Didn't the fire bother him? And then there's this great moment where he, they're talking and Plaza telling the story about how Superman beats up all these demons, and the kid's like, but he's immune, but, you know, uh, magic affects him. He goes, till the demons use magic, and then they beat him up, and just It was funny how Plasma kept having to change it on the fly because the kid's just tearing the story apart. Anyway, the art. I love this art. I I thought it was really super fun because the artist draws a little bit cartoony but, as you said, a little bit more modern with lots of little lines. And I had to look at this guy because I didn't know who he was. Had you ever heard of um, Cliff – Rathburn? No, not at all. He has done very little penciling work. In fact, this is one of his earliest published penciling stuff he's done. Uh, the old, one of the only other major things he did was he did the Brit uh, for, I think, Image, if I remember right. But he's, what he's really well known for is sort of developing or, or implementing the grayscale coloring on the Walking Dead comic. Hmm. um not not the pencils but the 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 coloring and the inking uh he he's been he inked authority he he inked tons of stuff but very rarely penciled and yet his pencils are, i think are awesome i mean he looks like a professional penciler to me i'm really impressed with it he puts a tremendous amount of detail in here the expressions are great the line work even like the little gingerbread man in the and the helmet that Santa Claus wears it he's sleeping and awake because he's watching the naughty and the nice there's just a lot of really fine, detailed artwork in this that I just blows me away. I love this thing. I think it's gorgeous.
2: Yeah, I like the artwork. I, you know, I didn't mean to sound as critical as so, I was. No, I liked it just fine. I just think it would have been interesting if they got somebody maybe a little more on the smoother side. But I like the way he does Plastic Man. I like when art when artists draw Plastic Man, constantly moving, constantly shifting. He's reflecting his emotions and by his, you know, he grabs the little gingerbread man cookie him. <laughs> like I like that. I mean, all that stuff. I mean, he turns into there's a, when he's sitting at the table with the rest of jailers, He's kind of dressed like an elf, like he's converted his hat. And mm-hmm. in the first panel, he's taking Batman's shape. He could see yeah. he's, he's got a little, he's got bats here. So no, I like all that stuff. No, I think it's it's nice. And I mean, and, and it works well is that this is a story that he's telling. So Santa looks suitably dramatic with the helmet, as you mentioned and stuff like that. Right. I like them getting encapsulated into the bubble pack uh you know and it's a Santa's magic sack included and it's right. you know so and it's a reindeer sold separately like and It's pinned to the wall and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's cute. It's really cute.
1: And I don't know if there's some subtext to that about being, like, modern-day action figure packaging so hard to open or not, but uh, that's certainly the era where it started to become damn near impossible to get those packages open. Whereas the old days, you just pull it off the cardboard, Mm -hmm. you know? Nowadays, the whole thing is, like, this hermetically sealed plastic thing, and if you're not careful, the plastic itself, rip your hand open. (laughs) Anyway, loads of fun, guys. If you want to laugh this holiday season, definitely pick up JLA number 60. It is... Been, it's been reprinted a bunch it's probably on comicsology i'm sure i don't know uh, lots and lots of fun so well,
2: cons- with that considering all the in-store in and in-store considering all the in-story appearances santa claus has done he really should have got a listing in who's who <laughs> i mean really he's teamed up with superman he's been, he really should have been they should have just been like oh what the hell let's just do a you know what the hell you know we did one for dr mist and he first appeared in a book for Pete Seg. So they yeah, done well,
1: the, the problem was like in 1986, DC was taking itself way too seriously. Yes, you know? so there's <laughs> no way they would have done it now. <laughs> now Mark Wade, by you know, update '88, he probably would have been on board with that. Or even the actually, who's who in the DC universe? That Blue sleeve, they should have done it there. That would have been great.
2: Oh, he should have gotten a story in Secret Origins. <laughs> oh, he totally should have. That would have been cool. Secret Origin of Santa Claus. That would have been – I mean they could have done that in Rudolph. Rudolph was a giant star for DC Comics.
1: All right, Ryan. I want you to go out (laughs) to uh, Roy Thomas and commission him to write a Origin of Santa Claus story for Secret Origins, and we'll find somebody to pencil it for you.
2: And who would be more inclined to do Ryan a favor than Roy Thomas?
1: Exactly.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Roy, don't, don't right. listen to uh, these numbered episodes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Numbers 1 through 50. <laughs> Number 50, though, that that song. Oh, my gosh. It's so funny that uh, David Gutierrez put together about Roy Thomas. Oh, so funny. All right. <laughs> anyway, I can't even say the name of the song. It's too crude. Folks, we're going to take a quick Christmas break. Rob's going to go hit the eggnog again. Uh, and I don't mean the, uh, the virgin kind. And I'm going to go eat some cookies and milk. And uh, we'll be back after these messages.
3: Batman Nightcast, a thrilling new podcast from the Fire & Water Podcast Network, hosted by Ryan Daly
0: and Chris Franklin. Nightcast chronicles the Cape Crusaders' adventures in Batman and Detective Comics after Crisis on Infinite Earths.
3: Highlights from this legendary era include... Batman No. 400. Legends.
0: Mike Barr and Alan Davis.
3: Batman Year One.
0: Batman Year Two.
3: Max Allen
0: Collins. Ugh.
3: Um, the new Jason Todd. Ugh.
0: Millennium? You're not doing this right. Let me take over. Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle. Alan Grant from Jurassic Park? Did you hear me say Norm freaking Brayfogle? Oh, yeah. Son of the Demon. The Killing Joke. A Death in the Family.
3: Batman Year
0: Three. A Lonely Place of Dying.
3: Alan Grant, Alan Davis, Max Allen Collins. Why are there so many people named Alan from this era of Batman?
0: The Rise of Tim Drake. Legends of the Dark Knight. And that's just up until 1989.
3: Did anything exciting happen with Batman after that?
0: You'll have to tune in to
3: find out. Batman Nightcast, part of the Fire & Water Podcast Network.
0: Find it on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com.
3: Oh, we forgot to mention your favorite issue, When Batman Fires Dick Grayson.
0: You want to find another co-host? response is unequivocal. Drop dead. First Strike, the Invasion Podcast takes you back to that moment in time and covers the entire Invasion DC Comics crossover. Issue by issue, tie-in by tie-in. Join Bass and Siskoid at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on iTunes. First Strike, the Invasion Podcast. A proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Remember, Albert. Ho,
1: ho, ho! Come sit on my lap, little. No, I'm just kidding, folks. Uh Shut back. Thankfully, you, you came back.
2: Second one in a row.
1: I know. I know. I. I. I'm like David Letterman. I just like to keep reusing the same joke and just beat it into the ground until it's not funny anymore, and then you beat it some more. And for some weird, quirky reason of human psyche, it becomes funny again. That's that's kind of what I'm going for. Eh. I just don't. I just don't think I've reached the funny again point no, yet.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that.
1: Yeah, I thought you might. <laughs> Well, for speaking of not things that are enjoyable, Rob, why don't you walk us through Batman and the Outsiders?
2: <laughs> that sound you hear is Siskoid rubbing his hands in glee. He's so excited. <laughs> I'm going to be talking about Batman and the Outsiders. What am I kidding? We all know Siskoid's not listening to this. Anyway, okay, this is <laughs> Batman and the Outsiders. He already said he's like two years behind on podcast. So anyway, uh, yeah, this story is Batman and the Outsiders number 19, cover dated March 1985, which means it went on sale. And, of course, December of 1984. The story is Who's Afraid of the Big Red S? It's by Mike W. Barr and Jim Aparo with Adrian Roy as the colorist. Uh, The story opens at Wayne Manor with Halo breaking in frantically. And she knocks – almost knocks Alfred over. He's got his tray of Christmas cookies or whatever. And she's demanding to know, where's Batman? Where's Batman? She finds Bruce Wayne in his study. He is looking super foppish uh, with his little ascot. And he's reading a book on modern criminology. And I love that he has to brush up on that. That's really funny. So anyway – there's a little bit of backstory about what's going on in the previous issues, but we're going to we're going to kind of skip all that because this is really a one off story that you can just read all by itself so he says what's going on?" he's like, well, why do you need help and so we have a flashback of she's recalling what's going on and related to some stuff that happened in a previous issue, she and Brian aka Geoforce exchange Christmas presents now they she thinks that the gift that Brian has gotten her is an engagement ring because they're both they both sort of started a sort of early relationship and she's afraid that, oh no, he's getting really serious. But it turns out it's not the case it's just a little necklace and they both reveal to each other simultaneously that that they don't love each other they love each other as friends but they're not interested in each other romantically and they're both very relieved that neither one of them has to pretend otherwise so they're just going to be really good friends so the gift is in fact a little halo on a chain which uh, halo loves she calls katana to say happy uh, merry christmas but katana doesn't answer the phone for other reasons gets developed later on in later issues but anyway, GeoForce then gets a call from his, one of his closest friends, a, woman, a young girl named Denise. She has taken a bunch of sleeping pills in an attempt to kill herself. And then she sort of changed her mind. She's called Brian. Brian changes his to his uniform and GeoForce takes off. Meanwhile, Halo calls the police. The uh, emergency uh, responders show up to the house. They rescue her. They put her on a, uh, like, not a ventilator, but like on an oxygen mask. And as Denise is being carted off to the hospital, Geoforce grabs a a little brick and he smashes it in his hand. And he says, I know who did this. I'm going to make them pay. And Halo's like, you said someone's going to pay? And he says, oh, yes. Denise told me before she passed out, Dean Rayburn is the man who did this to Denise. I'm going to find him and I am going to kill him. And Geoforce takes off. And Halo was like, oh crap, what are we gonna do? So that's when we re- go back, we're, we're back to the present time. She's talking to Batman. They go down to the Batcave, and Bruce Wayne says, damn, I was afraid of this. His power matured before he, his ability to use it. Halo says, none of us can stop him, Batman. And Batman says, yes. And he says, no, none of us. And he flips a switch. And we see that this switch sends a signal all the way to Metropolis, which is overheard by Clark Kent, who is in the, bit, is in the middle of a big holiday celebration with the staff of the Daily Planet. He hears the message, changes into Superman, flies off into the night. He meets Halo, who is waiting there for him, and she instantly falls in love with Superman, She's one of my favorite bits. She just finds him utterly charming. She's never met Superman before, and he's Superman. You know? So, near, they they talk about what she includes him in, of what's going on with the case. Superman flies off, and then there's this panel where he says, a supervision sweep won't take long. Follow me, young lady. And then you see Halo say, yes, sir. And then she's thinking, guy, anywhere. So she loves that. (laughs) Uh, We get into a subplot with Black Lightning and Katana, and then we find Dean Rayburn in his cabin, and he has another woman there with him, And they're clearly going to have a romantic evening. Geoforce breaks in, threatening to basically kill Rayburn. Rayburn pulls a gun, but Geoforce grabs it and smashes it. He then puts his hands on Rayburn's temple. And he looks like he's about to smash Rayburn's head into pulp when he's interrupted by Superman. Geoforce is in such a rage that he doesn't really want to hear about anybody telling him to stop it. He basically challenges Superman to a fight. He punches Superman in the chest and nearly breaks his hand in the process. <laughs> there's a great moment where he goes, Ah and Superman says, Everyone has to find that out for themselves. Now come along, GeoForce. <laughs> it turns into a fight. Superman throws GeoForce out of Rayburn's house. That way there's not a whole bunch of destruction. And the fight goes on for a couple of pages here and there. And uh well, you,
1: can, yes. I, can I interrupt? You? Yes. I gotta say, I think it's less of a fight. I think it's more of like Superman's just trying to get him to calm down. Yes. Well, he's beating the he's trying to beat the shaz out of Superman.
2: Yes, but I mean, he, Superman does take a couple of punches. I mean, he does take a couple. Of, I mean, he gets bruised. But yeah, he really is trying to he, almost. Well, he tucker. doesn't throw a punch. He just takes him. No, he punches Geo Force on page sixteen. He punches him right in the face.
1: Oh, there's that. I didn't get. He that. says, "I'll
2: explain it to you later." Oh. You're right. I'm yeah, sorry. So he okay. does punch him. So they go back and forth, but he's clearly trying to tucker Geo Force out. He's doing mm-hmm. a rope-a-dope thing, no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, finally, Superman has just had enough. He smashes his hands, and Geo Force is like, "What have you done?" And he basically Superman says, "Wait another few seconds, son, and you'll see." And he starts an avalanche, and that <laughs> yeah. crushes Geo Force under the snow. That finally knocks him out. Superman picks him up, brings Geo Force back to Rayburn's house. Superman. At this point, Joe Fort says, calm down. He wakes up. Superman then turns to Rayburn and says, I'll rebuild your cabin. But this man has made some rather strong statements about you and a Miss Howard. Rayburn says, lies. I deny everything. And that's when Batman comes back into the picture. And in the meantime, he has done some detective work because he is a detective. he 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 says, you might screw him out of one charge of sexual battery, Rayburn, but not seven. I figured you tried this trick before. These are signed affidavits from female students you made improper advances to, and they'll see you in court. And Rayburn's like, oh, I'm, 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 I'm. GeoForce looks very sh- ashamed because he's like, Batman. Batman sort so scolds him and says, "You know, the system works. You have to make it work. And when it doesn't work, that's what we're here for." GeoForce looks ashamed. Batman turns to his old friend Superman and says, "Are you all right?" Superman looks positively delighted, and he says <laughs> and he calls it the best workout he's had in ages. <laughs> So then we go to the hospital, and Denise is recovering, and she's on her way to a full recovery. She talks to Brian, who is all bruised, he got all these bruises on his chin, and they talk about how that they're going to have a merry Christmas because now she realizes that she should not have done that, and they're going to. Re- she's go- she's on the road to recovery, and back outside the hospital window, we see Superman flying off, and Halo trailing him like a puppy, and she's just sighing like a love-struck, love-struck uh, teenager. And the final caption is "To all a good night," and it's for Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. Nice, and that is the story. Um, I love the hell out of this thing. Yeah, <laughs> clearly, completely clearly, really charming. I loved it when I first bought it, and I love it still. I think it is just so
1: wonderful. And it's a great little story for Christmas. It's a fun story. Now, I Outsiders is a real blind spot for me, and it's it's interesting. It, it's actually inspired me a bit to read some more Outsiders because I I know DC '80s, you know, really post crisis very very well. But for some reason, I just never got into the Outsiders. I've read the occasional issue here or there. I certainly know the characters well, but I've never really read the comic. And as you said, this comic was really fun. It was very enjoyable. I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed spending time with Geoforce and Halo and things like that, which I never expected I would. And uh, I've, I've now since started reading the, my showcase from the beginning. Anyway, um, lots of things to talk about. First of all, the, the plot's super fun. I love – I mean, this is uh, – this is, I guess before crisis is over. So this is still our Superman of Earth One. Clearly, this is Superman of Earth One. I mean, with his power level, and his not, it's not dickery, but it's 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 almost a polite knowledge that he knows he's superior to yes. everyone else. Oh, yes, absolutely.
2: Yes, he is. He is the ultimate deep-voiced Superman. When you see yeah. him, when you see him talking to Halo, you can just hear that. You know, follow me, young lady. It just sounds like he is Well the
1: Power Records voice.
2: Yeah, he is the cock of the walk
1: here yeah. in the DC universe. And he knows it. He yeah. completely he knows it. Yep. Uh, so like you know. And he's really again...
2: charming. He taps her on the shoulder and he's like,
1: We've never been formally introduced. I'm Superman. And she's right. like, You sure are <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know, when he uses his power, he's like, I'm just going to scan for this guy. And he just finds him on the planet somewhere. It's like, wow, that's impressive. Yeah. You know, um, now I got a question. You know, GeoForce's girl, not girlfriend, but this friend who is a girl. Yeah. Um, is Was she a character before now or yeah. just for the yeah. story? No,
2: no, she was, she was an ongoing supporting
1: character. Okay. Because I felt like they did a pretty good job of introducing, for me, who knew nothing about this, you know, stepping in. I felt like I was walking into the middle of something there. But at the same time, I was able to keep up. So I thought Mike W. Barr did a good job with that. Um, I got to, okay, so I got to mention a weird artistic thing. I, I, by the way, the Jim Aparo's art looks great in this, it really does. But on the cover, it, it, this is completely nonsensical, whatever, but so it says, Who's Afraid of the Big Red S? Yeah. As crazy as the, this is, that S is the new 52 Superman's S. Um, I know it has nothing to do with this, but I couldn't help notice y- years down the line in 2011 they redesigned Superman's S very specifically for the new 52, and this is it. This is what it looks like. Um, you know, it doesn't have the bubble at the end. You know, it's a flat sort of line, and it just it shocked me when I saw that. I'm sure Michael huh. Bailey now digging the issue out, going, "What?" So, uh, what else? I thought it was funny when they're singing the Christmas carols at the at was it G- WGBS? I guess it was. Yeah. Um, that's like. They're singing a hardcore Christmas carols, not just like, you know, Deck the Halls or something. Yeah, he's singing
2: to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Yeah, it's a very right? religious like, song.
1: Wow, okay. I don't know if Mike W. Barr's deeply religious or if he was just – or maybe that's a Jim Aparo thing. They put that in there. I just – that kind of kind of surprised me. Um, and then uh, I love Geoforce. When during the fight, Geoforce uses his powers to simulate the gravity of Krypton – to make it difficult for Superman in the fight And like that's really clever And I don't know if that's really how Superman's powers work But I don't really care uh, I, I thought it was neat and sort of brought him down to his level And there's this great artistic touch That Aparo does and maybe everyone did this But he does these little lines that float around Geoforce's glove When he's mm-hmm. using his gravity powers That's a cool visual cue I really like that, that looks neat
2: Yeah, yeah that, that moment you talk about Is the one moment in the fight where Superman looks
1: Even remotely worried Right, exactly, and then in the end, both uh, Geo Force and Superman are drawn to be scuffed up. Their faces, yep, yep. Have a bunch of scratches and stuff on it. So, and uh, again, I read this in my showcase. It was all black and white, but I had no problems telling what was going on without color. Which is because sometimes when you read showcases, it doesn't always work. Uh, you're you're like, who's what, you know? Which turtle's got the goggles? The the, the orange, orange belt, but. Um, but I, I I enjoyed this thoroughly. It was lots of fun. So, but it was very very Bronze Age, which is not my favorite era of DC Comics, but I still enjoyed it quite a bit.
2: Well, I I really like I love I grew up Batman Superman being best friends, and right. I never liked when they became enemies. Uh, and I think at this point, World's Finest wasn't around anymore, or it was in its death throes.
1: But well, this is this is what Crisis is being published, or or no, it's a month before Crisis, isn't it? Because you said this is December of 84. Yeah. yeah.
2: All right. Um, so, but anyway, this is near the end of their relationship, but I like that they're best friends. I like that Batman can just call Superman. Uh, later on, in, in a later issue, there's a letter that says they didn't like that, that Batman basically just calls God in to fix this. You know, oh. cause it's, and But I think that's such a silly criticism of the story. I mean, Batman knows that GeoForce is the most powerful member in terms of raw power. And he can't, so he's calling it his buddy. And I just love, I love the way they talk to each other. Uh, I just, they, they have a real informality that that really charmed me. I mean, I just love that Batman just says, are you all right? And Superman's like, fine, best workout I've had in ages. You know, like, he's just like, he just, and then he says, once that kid gets some experience, he'll be okay. And Batman's like, if he lives that long. It's like, Batman's making a joke. Like, he can joke around Superman. And again, I, mean, I love that Halo falls in love with him. Yeah, it's I just cute. I think it's so cute. And he's kind of like he knows that a little cuz I mean when she says the Batman said I should tell you that Geo-Force, one of us outsiders is going to try and kill a teacher of his, Dean Rayburn, and his response is, "Well, we can't have that, can we?" Like he's just <laughs> being super charming. And I just yeah. <laughs> and and again, um everyone knows how much I love Jim Aparo, but Jim Aparo didn't get to draw Superman that much. And here you get a lot of Superman. And the the scene of him in the WGBS is great because they have the wonderful silhouette of him taking off his coat, uh, taking off his his, uh, tie and his shirt, and then the big panel. So, I mean, it's just, yeah, I just love it. I just think it's really charming. I think Mike W. Barr was not afraid to be a little corny. It's one of the reasons I like the Wade story because it's a little corny. But I also like that it's got some real-world grit. I mean, this is how you want the world to work that there's a guy who is sexually harassing and abusing women and Batman is out there getting the in, getting the the dirt on him that's yeah. the way, that's where you want the world to work you know like this guy doesn't get away with this nonsense he's going to go to jail cuz Batman's out there doing the legwork i love that and i like there's even a little bit of the philosophy of you know batman's like hey geo force that that's not what we're doing here you know i you have to use the system you know you can't just go in and smash the guys Head open because you're mad So I like that whole bit it's, I really think this is just a wonderful Really cute little story And just that final detail of seeing Superman and Halo Out the window uh, <laughs> At the end, I just this is so cute And they never really did anything with it after this Because I bet Superman never really appeared again in, in this version of The Outsiders
1: Well, as two you know White males in their 40s Who love this story and find it charming I'd be interested to hear a feminist's opinion So we'll go to our resident feminist, Frank and uh, oh, I'm curious to see what their opinion would be, given that, you know, the, the, the young girl who takes all the, the pills because the boy's is so hor- horrible to her and then Halo's puppy dogging Superman around. I wonder if there would be their viewpoint would be, you know, the girls didn't have agency in this story and the boys have to do all the work and it just you know, might offend their sensibilities. I, I'm just curious what the other side of the, the opinion would be on that one
2: one of the things that i liked about the way mike w Barr wrote characters is that and this was something i liked about halo is that like he gave in other issues not this one but in other issues like he gave halo recognizable teenage traits like she listened, she watched david letterman and <laughs> in 19 in 1985 david letterman was like the hippest thing in the world oh yeah and, like and like so for christmas they get her a david letterman t-shirt like you know that was like a real thing like she was like a real teenager who watched television shows cuz it like in in comic books Whenever like some character goes to a movie or watches a TV show, it's fake. You know, right. It's never a real movie. They you know this Spiderman Peter Parker doesn't go see Star Wars, he goes to see some fake movie. So I like that in this in the real world, like oh and she they get her like a Walkman to listen to so, like all that <laughs> kind of stuff. It's like it's cute, recognizable teenage stuff. So
1: right. Yeah. Well, to be fair, spider I mean, Spiderman did hang out with the uh, Saturday Night Live crew one time.
2: He did. That's true. He did. That one one officially licensed. And David Letterman. He
1: hung out with David Letterman. He hung out with David
2: Letterman. They did. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Marvel Marvel team up
1: was awesome. (laughs) 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 Well, I think that's going to do it. Um, Folks, uh, we from I mean, I'm speaking for everyone at the Fire and Water Podcast Network, whether they want me to or not. Uh, we'd like to wish you a very, very happy holidays and a wonderful new year. Uh, as we said, 2016 has been a real roller coaster, but as far as the network has been concerned, it's been amazing, and you people at home are a huge, huge, huge part of that. Uh, while we might be the folks on this end of the microphone, you guys are the folks on the other end listening and sharing your comments and hanging out with me when I go visit around the country or... You know, spreading the word, everything you guys do. You are the single greatest podcasting community in the world, and I sincerely appreciate everything you do. I don't know that Rob appreciates it, but I really, really do.
2: Yeah, I am generally indifferent. That's true. <laughs>
1: well, Rob, why don't you tell these folks at home where they can find you?
2: Uh, Well, just go to the network site, which is FireAndWaterPodcast.com, and and there you'll find everything that we're doing. We have have a bunch of new shows. We launched a bunch of new shows recently. We've got Ryan and Chris doing Nightcast and Ryan doing It's Midnight, the podcasting hour. Uh, You have JLI, of course. Siskoid's doing Invasion, which is now like a TV event, Mm -hmm. Invasion, which is just unbelievable. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'm doing Treasury Cast, which has been a whole lot of fun. So uh, yeah, we're having a lot of a lot of good stuff going on over there at firewaterpodcast.com
1: Fantastic! You can also find us on Twitter at uh, FW Podcasts, and on Facebook we have a, a page for Fire and Water Podcast Network. So I think that's going to do it. And um, I guess we just say, see you next year, folks. Until then, fan the flame, ride the wave.
3: Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime. Trouble. they'll always be there to get them in a bubble or even torch their hair they stand for truth and justice and see a land in there Aquaman and Firestorm they make a super pair Aquaman and Firestorm super friends forever
1: yeah
0: This little guy was crazy for Christmas. We used to wrap his presents in lead foil so he couldn't peek.
1: You mean Santa wrapped them? Oh, of course dear.